Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.
to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's the last show for August 2017. We got a great one tonight. Christian Havid from Zentrix is here, as well as Rob, Allen, and John from Dark Apes. They'll be on in the second half of the show. Right there, some merciful fate with devil's eyes. But we have Christian on the line right now. Let's connect him because it is getting late in the UK. And I always appreciate it when uh, overseas guests kind of stay up for the live show. So let's connect him right now. Hello. Christian, it's Mike. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I know it's getting late over there, but, you know, when you're a rock star, you can kind of handle the late hours, right? <laughs> no, I've just been drinking coffee to keep me awake. You're <laughs> I apologize, but I do appreciate you staying up late tonight to be on the show live. It's always a lot more fun. No worries. No worries. I'm glad to be asked. Uh, listen, I'm a big fan. I go way back to the day I was tape trading. I heard about a band called Sweet Vengeance coming out of the <laughs> wow. UK, and I've been a fan ever since. So I was thrilled when a few years ago you guys kind of decided to put it back together, you know, full time again. Yeah. Um, well, we a few years now, about three years ago, four years ago, we decided to do the original lineup, and um, we thought, well, let, let's let's take it back there, and uh, you know, we're, we're still we're still able to do it. So we thought, well, let's go out there and and uh, tread the boards again. But um, yeah, it's some great great times and great fun, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did put it back together even once before that, didn't you? Was it just like for a one-off thing around 2006, or was it something you were hoping to turn more permanent back then? No, I can. You've done your research. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> We got in. Um, what it was was we uh, we were contacted by somebody to uh, actually open for a Testament. They were coming over and doing some shows in the UK, and um, somebody said, "Oh, will you, would you guys get back together and do open for Testament?" And we we said, "Of course we would. You know, that, that'd be a great, great, great package to go and do. Just do you know, do a few shows with those guys." And um, it kind of didn't happen for one reason or another. Um, so we, we just we I think we did one or two shows. And then it, it, you know, it kind of fizzled out, and uh, it took a while for us all to sort of get back together and uh, and get back together and do it again. So um, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you are. And you know what's funny is that anytime people associate any music with the United Kingdom, it's always to the new wave of British heavy metal. It was a mo- it was a movement and an era that you know kind of got the whole ball rolling for this whole genre. But a lot of people forget about the great thrash metal bands that came out of the UK, and you guys are like one of them. I mean, it really wasn't as, as big as like it is like you know over here, over where you are. No, no. I, I mean, the, the the UK thrash scene was 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 good. It was. Um, I mean, we were kind of introduced to it quite late on. With uh, our first tour was out with a band with Sabbath, who was um, of course Andy Sneap. Yeah. Um, who was famous for his production nowadays, um, and he's still good friends with us. You know, we, uh, um, see Andy on a regular basis. Um, and um, we back then there was there was us Sabbath, Acid Rain, uh, a band called Slammer, and it was kind of a tight knit scene. And I, I think it was only there was only maybe Sabbath came out to America, but nobody nobody got to go out there. And it was always our thing. We wanted to try and get out over to the U.S. and try and play to American audiences because we always feel, felt jealous that all the, the U.S. thrash bands got to come over to Europe. Yeah, we never got to go over there. <laughs> True, but you know, when, I mean, you, now when you look back on it, you say, you know, the band kind of got started in the late '80s, around '88, I want to say, maybe '87, and yeah. by the time the first record came out in '89, I mean, we kind—I don't think anybody ever really thought the scene was going to come crashing and burning a few years later. We just thought it was going to keep going on and on, 
And that really did that hurt the band in any way because you did carry on through pretty much most of the nineties. Yeah, um, it, it, we 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 kind of took it to to the end, really. You know, when we, we kind of the whole um, metal and thrash scene in the UK kind of got hit hard with. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what what it was like in the US, but when grunge came out, um, that kind of sort of marked the end of the whole metal thing. It, it kind of really went seriously underground, um, and it, it it meant that bands like us just, we, you know, we were playing to like, you know. 20 people at gigs and it, it it just wasn't we couldn't keep going at that level you know um so it, it kind of fizzled out and then then it was strange because years later when you think well nobody knows who we are all of a sudden we're, we're, we've got this like cult status and you know like people are saying oh yeah yeah Ventrix and your first album and you know it's like um it's on ebay for a hundred pounds and we're like what you know, it's, it's incredible, you know, people are saying, oh, yeah, it's a classic, classic first album, classic trash and all this. And we're like, really, you've heard of us? You know, so, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it was a it was a strange time. The 90s was very, very weird for us. And we, we kind of played it right to the end of all. We squoze as much as we could out of the band. Yeah. Well, I mean, even here in the U.S., when grunge really started taking off, metal just died the next day. I mean, outside yeah. of a handful of larger bands like maybe Metallica or yeah. Iron Maiden and ACDC, everything else just kind of died. And even those bands kind of fell on a little bit of hard times. I mean, it's a lot easier to fall in hard times when you're making millions and millions of dollars. You know, and you're only making hundreds <laughs> of thousands. Yeah. But it, it was rough everywhere. But like you said, Shattered Existence was a classic record. Even till today, people will you know, put that record up against any other album that came out in that time period. Well, it's it's amazing to hear that now, um, because when we did that album, when we we did it in um, from starting, it was ten days to, to actually recording to end of mixing, and we were we were going into the studio with uh, and it was a tiny, horrible little studio in Birmingham. Uh, it was actually uh, used to be owned by the band UB40. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. So yeah, um, and it was a terrible terrible studio but we got such a great thing out of it and i don't know if that was something to do with it going into the middle of birmingham i mean birmingham it's the birthplace of heavy metal so maybe that's got a big part to play you know um but i remember um we did it with john conniversy who just just done forbidden's first album oh yeah i don't know yeah i don't know what happened there (laughs) neither do i (laughs) (laughs) okay um and yeah we uh we'd just done the uh so he just done Forbidden's first album and he was just doing Joe Satriani's, uh, I think, Flying in a Blue Dream. I remember him playing his bits of Flying in a Blue Dream before it was actually out. And um, he, he said to us, oh, no, you guys have got to play this live. We were like, no, 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 because all the real bands do it separately. They track their parts separately. We want to do it like that. And he's like, no, 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 you've got to play this live. So that's what he made us do. So we all played, we played that record all, all playing together. And we went back and patched up little bits, but that was essentially how it was. And maybe that's got a, a part to play in it as well, you know, that we actually played it live. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it has that vibe to it. But yeah. I, mean, you, I think of all the albums that came in after, like for for whose advantage, and then Ken, and even yeah. even Scott just came out later on with a different singer in the band. Each album kind of progressed the band a little differently in a little different direction, still holding on to that core sound. Was it just a natural growth from year to year with the band, or were you looking to like try to capitalize on maybe a different sound that was coming through? Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's just a lot of it's as you get older, you, 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 you sort of your your ideas change, and you know you start thinking, well, maybe we should try this, try that, um, and and looking back, maybe 
you know, probably our favourite now when we've left it alone for a while, we go, well, actually, the first one was our favourite. You know, when we were, it was kind of like the rawest and the, the easiest and most accessible. And now when we play live again, it's mainly those first two records we play um, because those are the ones that people want to hear from the, from the band, you know what I mean? They, they, they want to say, if you listen to Zentrix, that's what, that's what we sounded like. Um, yeah. So it, it's... it's <sighs> As as we were doing it, I remember at the time thinking, "Oh yeah, we should try this. We should maybe you know try and sort of break this barrier and try and do a bit of that." But it, it's it was um, we we always go back to that sort of our roots with basically just you know playing the sort of uh, basic thrash really. Yeah, and you did a great job, but I have to tell you. But now it's like the mid nineties, ninety four, ninety five, and I guess at that point time that you know you you kind of part of ways with Chris at that point in time. Scouts comes out with a different singer. Uh, how did you feel about that album? Uh, well, to be fair, that we, when that happened, we, we 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 thought, well, maybe we should change the name of the band because it wasn't really a Zentrix album. That right? it was kind of a, a real departure. Um, and the, the guy that um, owned the record company said, no, 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 you got to keep the name, keep the name. People know the name. So we were like, oh, okay. But yeah. we never we never really felt like that was sort of part of. Um, our sort of legacy, really. We kind of, you know, I mean, I'm friends with um, Simon, who sang on that record, and, and Andy, who plays the guitar. But and we, we, I do like that album, but for different reasons. It's 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 not really a Zentrix album. It's it's what we did at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't you kind of just sort of went through the same thing again. You guys parted ways with Chris once again, but you're yeah. carrying on with the. I mean, you got Jay Walsh singing with you right now. I just saw a clip yeah. of uh, from Bloodstock. Sound a great, look fantastic up there. I mean, how you feel about the lineup now? Well, really good actually. Um, I mean, we, we like I say, we, we got back together with Chris, and um, it, things were going really well. But he kind of decided he didn't want to do music anymore for his own sort of personal reasons. So, it, 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 annoyingly though, we had actually recorded another album. We'd finished it, including artwork. Um, and then he he sort of said no 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 I've had enough I, I I'm not going to do anything anymore, so we were like okay right well what are we going to do with this record then because there's no point putting it out if we can't actually go and play anything what do we do, so we kind of sat on it for a while and uh, looked around for a new singer and we tried a few different people and um, it, eventually I mean we came across Jay um, I'd met him a few years ago. And we came across him, and um, he was going to play, just play guitar, and we are going to get another singer in. And then um, the guy that came in and tried, and it didn't work. And he said, well, you know, let me have a go. And I was like, really? You can sing? He was like, well, yeah, but, you know, because he, he he's played in, in um, other bands that just played guitar. And it ha- he hasn't sang in a band for, for since he was like 18, I don't think. Um, and he just said, let me have a go. And I was like, well, okay go for it you know and as soon as he did it was like right well we're back we're back here we go um and he's he's great because the thing about him is um he fits in and when you get to a certain age you want people that you feel comfortable with true so um it it, it couldn't just be somebody who who, who sounded right it had to be something somebody we could sort of like get on with and you know if we uh, go and go away with and play festivals abroad that we we knew we'd get on with and we'd have fun with so and he's he's fits in it was instantly it was like you know he was just like putting on a pair of old slippers it was like there you go we're, yeah. we were sorted 
that's what it felt like watching the videos from the Bloodstock Festival. I mean, yeah. it was a very comfortable feeling. And, you know, it's never easy replacing a singer because they're, they're kind of the voice of the band. And that's what a lot of people kind of, you know, know and recognize. But I thought he did a great job. And, and now with this, the new music or the new album you had worked on, do you plan on maybe re-recording the vocal parts or, or his guitar parts on it too? Yeah, but he's, he's well. We're already starting doing the vocals. He's re-recording it, so um, that's 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 how it's going to be. So yeah, we're uh, we're on with that right now. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, musically, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago catching a live clip. I want to say it was World of Mouth. You guys did, which was a relatively yeah. new song. I mean, is that the direction the band is going in now, or has the sound and style changed even since that time a few years back? Um, no, that that is a track that that is is on this this record. So. Um, World of Mouth, we, we'll get Jay to re-record the vocals on that. Um, I think we did. I think we've done three songs live that um, that are going to be on this record. But um, yeah, it's it's it, we're trying to we were trying to sort of capture a bit more of the sort of like um, the old the older style, the more aggressive style of Zentrix, really. Yeah, was that difficult trying to recapture like a sound from the past, especially since all these years later everybody's moved on and and grown as a musician? Or was it like a conscious effort to try to bring a little bit of that back into what you're doing now, also? Um, yeah, it, it, I mean you can't you can't always force these things. Sometimes you just gotta just see what comes out. Um, that, that's how we work anyway. But we, we we kind of decided that you know um, this is what we wanted us to sound like now so it would be like right well instead of picking those riffs we'll pick these riffs um you know because it's usually me that writes all the stuff and we sort of pull it together and then sort of um, go in the rehearsal place and bang it out and see what comes out um but we, we knew what it wanted to sound like and it, it was the same with with jay um when he when he, when he did i mean because bloodstock was our first gig believe it or not with him and we have we have only done one gig with him so far, and it, that was the first one. And um, he said, "I knew I knew what Zentrix needed to sound like," and that's why he he didn't sort of remove it too far from what Chris used to sound like. It was like, right, it needs to sound like like Zentrix, you know, as yeah. opposed to like a high pitched singing voice or whatever. You know, like when when we had Simon singing, that was a totally different sound, but he knew that's what we need to sound like. And that's kind of what we're doing on this record. We, it, it, we, we, this is what we think people will want us to sound like. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear the, all the new music. I'm, I'm dying to get a hold of it. When it comes out, I'm, I'll be the first online to buy it. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Such a fan. But I mean, when the band ended like in the mid to late nineties, what happened with you after that? Because I really don't recall anybody in the band really going on to anything else that I could think of. The next time I heard about you was at Hellfighter, And that was only maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, no, we, we none of us really did anything. We kind of all sort of left music alone. Um, just sort of uh, went on to do start families and things like that, and just just leave it alone, really. Um, I do uh, for for my other job is I do videos. Um, I've done um, a few things. Uh, I do a few EPK type things. I've done stuff for Megadeth, Accept. Um, mainly through Andy, actually, who uh, Andy Snape. So um, I did, but I did the the Hell video, uh, his band Hell, um, and yeah, things like that. Oh, and uh, Stuck Mojo with Rich Ward and yeah. one for them recently. Yeah, so I did bits like that. But yeah, it's it's musically we 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 kind of we always sort of um, knocking it out together. Particularly me and Dennis, who's the drummer, 
Um, but we, we we never we didn't sort of go back and do anything serious till uh, till well we, we we did the Hellfire album with Simon who who sang on Scourge and then um, from that that's when we kind of got the oh yeah we want to get back playing again so we kind of got the bug to try and try and get Zentrix back together again. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the Damnation Wings record. They came out a few years back, I think 2010. Yeah. Is, is, it, is this been like kind of over and done with, or is it still something that you might go back to uh, later on? Or is it, you know, um, is Zentrix just the main thing right now? Zentrix I, I, I is probably the main thing right now. I mean, I, I don't think we'll, uh, we, you never know, we might we might get back together and uh, have a, I'll do the odd gig here and there, but I don't think it's something we'll really pursue. He's, he's Simon's now singing for um, Kill to This, and. Um, also, Pete was playing the guitar. He's playing bass for those. So they, we've all got our own things. We're all, we're all good friends when we get back together and uh, and talk with one another. But uh, I think that's it's probably had its day. That so uh, yeah yeah so is probably what we're doing from now on. How's the scene over there in the UK right now? I mean, is it vibrant? There is there, is there enough of a club scene to you know, keep the bands going? Yeah, it's actually it's, it's seemingly pretty cool at the minute. Um, Probably better than it ever was. I think there's there's quite a lot of um, mainly in, the, in in sort of Manchester, Liverpool, London, um, and some of the places in Scotland and in Ireland. Those places have got some real core venues that that like just keep turning over um, bands, and um, they 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 they're great to play. We we played a few over the past couple of years, and there's some uh, some people who are really you know really passionate about going to see live music, which is great. Yeah, it is. I mean, is the band open for touring? Is that is that something that you're willing to get out and try to go do, or is it more like the one-off shows and the festivals right now? Because everybody gets busy as we get older with life. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, the the, the, the touring really suits uh, the lack of non-touring rather. The uh, festivals really suits us at the minute. Um, it's it, it would have to be something that we'd have to sort of like um, look at from all sorts of angles like financially and uh, and just general sort of time consuming um as if we could go out and do a you know a couple of weeks somewhere but never say never true do you find yourself like today like uh, with most bands are like almost back to the beginning again it's like the do-it-yourself phase you know the record companies they're pretty much gone you know most of them are gone and bands have to kind of do everything on their own again just like when they first started out it's like coming full circle absolutely absolutely um it, it it's coming back to it now. It, it's, I mean, technology allows you to do a lot more stuff than you, you used to be able to do. Um, but, but you're right. You, you, you can, I mean, we, we've done um, this recording more or less ourselves. Um, I've obviously had, um, had this help us with the mixing and the live drums, but we tracked all the guitars ourselves and then, you know, technology allows you to reamp them at his place and, we do. Um, we sort out a lot of our artwork, not ourselves, but we were in contact with the people. I mean, the internet. Obviously, in 1989, there wasn't the internet, and yeah. it's just changed everything, really. You know, as far as what you can do, and who you can speak to, and it's 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 mind-boggling. But you're right. A lot of the stuff um, is down to down to the bands to to basically decide what they want and either do it themselves or sort out, you know, source what they want themselves, you know, rather than going to like a manager or a label and say, no, I just want this. You have to go and you go online and find the people that, you know, well, I need, I want this design done for a t-shirt. Well, 
go and find that guy and speak to him and email him. You know, it, it's all there to be had now. It's true. I mean, there's so much, I mean, technology is like one of those double-edged swords. There's so much great to it that really helps and benefits a band or anything out in life. And then there's that other part of it that kind of like kills a lot of stuff. You know, like the the buying of the albums because of the downloading and you know the record labels going down. And I mean, it's only a matter of time for my wife replaces me. I mean, you know, technology is going to take that job too. So there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on in the world today. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah, it, 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 you're right. I mean, obviously nobody really buys music in its in its form that, that you, they used to do anymore um it's a different thing i mean there's, there's a little bit of a resurgence of people buying vinyl as a sort of collectible um but generally speaking music is there for everyone to just absorb and that's why i think it's more important to have um the live show and the merchandise because that's the only way, like the small bands are going to make any type of money. I mean, even the bigger bands—that's how they make the money. Um, it's—it's—it it, it is—it's going full circle again. Because, like, when you were small bands, that was the way you made money. You—you you had your, your stuff on sale and you did shows. It's—it's it's the same sort of thing, really, in some ways. It's true. Not a lot has changed. Hey, Christian, I'm not going to keep you. I know it's getting late over there, and I do appreciate you staying up for us. I'm going to play a couple of tunes. We're going to go on to our next guest. But what do you have? Anything coming up for the rest of this year for the band that you have a plan that you want to talk about, or uh, you, you're holding off till 2018? Well, we've got a couple of shows booked for 2018 in Europe. Um, we, we might be doing a special guest um, in in Manchester for with uh, some friends of ours. Just going to pop up and do half an hour. Um, but we're going to be recording. We want to take our time, um, get these vocals down, and then um, hopefully have something out um, for the beginning of next year. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. When that record comes out, come back on the show. We'll promote the hell out of it. And my wife and I go to London every year for vacation for a week for holiday. I'm going to have to make the next one around a Zentric show so I can be there to see you guys perform <laughs> live. Oh, give me a shout, man. No worries. I will. Because you have a great night. Take care. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks very much, Mike. Cheers. Take it easy. Take care. All right. Let's get on some music. We got Dark Age coming up right after this. Let me say, I put up a couple of songs by the band from all the different albums. Let's go back to the early days first. Here's Balance of Power. Yeah. 
All right, a little double shot of Zentrix over here. We did Bounce of Power, and that was Dark Enemy. What a great band. I want to thank Christian for staying up a little later than normal tonight to talk to us. I do appreciate it. You know, we have to pre-record a lot of interviews because of the time differences, and some bands do press days, so it's always nice when we get, you know, all of our guests on live every week like tonight. And we have about a half hour, not even, about 20 minutes left where Rob, Allen, and John from Dark Age will be calling in. We'll talk about that band. So that's a great cult underground band with the killer record out from 1984, but very little is known about the band to a lot of people. So we'll find out as much as we can in the time we have left on the show. But like I was saying before, it's the last show for August. It's the 27th. We start September next week. It's the nine. The show is nine years old come this September, and we've got a great bunch of guests lined up so far. Next Sunday, we have Jim Crean from Apathy, the new band with uh, Carmine and Vinny Apathy. I wonder if they're calling it Apathy or Peace the Band. We'll have to find out. We'll, we'll check with them next week. Also next week, Jack Starr and Ned Maloney from Burning Star. They got a killer new record out. We will be playing a couple of tunes off of that. The week after that, our best friend, our best girl, Doro, will be calling back in. Doro is heading over to the U.S. for a tour. It's their 30th anniversary. They're doing the Triumph and Agony album, I believe, in full. And Dan Watson from Hex will be our guest. And the week after that will be our nine-year anniversary show. Axel from Stanion will be on the show. Priority from Jag Panza. And I believe we got the guys from the band Hitman calling in. They're reunited for next year's Keep It True Festival. We should either be talking to them or the guys from Siren. I'm not sure yet. We haven't locked that down. And uh, I'm still confirming the guests for the last week of the show, even though I'm pretty sure I know who it is. I know we got Ron Cook from Thrust on. We have one other guest lined up, but we haven't really confirmed it yet. But uh, I'll get everything up this week on the Heavy Metal Mayhem webpage, so go check it out. All right, let's jump into one or two more tunes before Dark Age calls in. For some reason, a lot of stuff here is kind of spinning on me. I don't know why. I guess they didn't fully upload these songs, but let's jump into some rage. This is off their last record, the newest one, Seasons of the Black.
You know, I haven't really been much into Rage over the, the last decade. It's not that I've fallen out of love with the band, though. They've been putting out bad records. It's just, it's just kind of fell by the wayside, and I really kind of forgot about them for the most part. Uh, but the new record is pretty good, and I am digging it. Uh, maybe we'll get an Avenger reunion out of that one day. You never know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. Well, listen, our good friend Evo from Warfare, you know, he wants you to have a copy of his latest record uh, called Warfare. We're going to play a song off that album. And if you want, Evo will sign a copy and mail it to you directly. Not only that, but you'll get a collector's edition red vinyl album, double album, gay false sleeve, beautiful package. I've got mine all packed up, ready for the move to the new house. But if you want a copy, he's going to mail it out to you. Not everybody who uh, emails him is going to get it. So you got to kind of jump on it first, and they're going to pick out the winner. So jump on this right away. Send them an email. Get yourself a copy of it. All you got to do is answer the question, who produced the band's second record, Metal Anarchy? Uh, that should be pretty easy if you're a fan of Warfare. And uh, email them at the address that I'm putting up in the chat room right now. So if you're not, I know if you listen, a lot of people listen on the outside, they don't come into the chat. This is why you should come into the chat. That's the only way you're going to get the address. So <laughs> if you're not in the chat room, uh, even if you're a guest, you can't comment or talk, but you can see. But this is why you shouldn't just listen to the player on the outside, because you do get stuff every now and then. And I love to give stuff away if I can. So here you go. That's the address. Email Evo your name and address with the answer to the question, who produced the Metal Anarchy record? And you'll get this beautiful double gate full sleeve red vinyl record of Warfare. All right, let's get on a tune off that new record. Uh, here's Cemetery Dirt. <laughs>
right, there you go, Pariah. What a great band. Huh? Kind of formed, you know, uh, after Satan. Uh, I wish they would kind of get back. I mean, Satan's doing really well right now. They put out great records. They're touring a lot. So I don't see it really happening, but it'd be great to get a new Pariah record somewhere down the road. But they were kind of an extension of what was going on in Satan while they were still together. A lot of the Satan guys in that band. All right, we're going to be talking to the guys from Dark Age in a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll just hang around until they call in. It shouldn't be more than two or three minutes from now. And uh, we'll find out what's going on in their world from back in the day. And I don't know, maybe we can kind of nudge on a little reunion of the band. Who knows? It's time, maybe, you know? It was such a great cult on the ground band. And, you know, bands like that garnered so much attention over the years, over these last few years. A lot of young people discovering them. Uh, it's just a shame that back in the day they couldn't get that attention when they really could have used it. But. A solid band, nonetheless. We'll be talking to them in a little bit. Hey, Madame X got a brand new record coming out called Monstrosity. Uh, we had Maxine Petrucci on the show a couple of years ago. She was really fun to talk to. I mean, her and her sister Roxy, I mean, they held up really well over the years. The two of them look fantastic. I'm not going to lie to you. And there's nothing better than a nice Italian girl, nice Italian sisters that make their own sauce on the weekends, crush their own tomatoes. So I'm an Italian guy from Brooklyn. Uh, that means the world to me. <laughs> but maybe we'll get her back on the show. Maybe we'll get her and Roxy on the show. Uh, when the record comes out, and we'll talk to them all about that. All right, I believe we got, I don't know if it's all the guys or one of the guys from Dark Age. Let's start connecting them and find out who we have. Hey, this is Mike. Mike, hey, this is Robert with Dark Age. Rob, how are you? It's good to talk to you, Robert. I'm doing good. How are you? Hey, I'm fantastic. I have you on the show tonight. How bad can I be? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll start talking until the other guys call in. Uh, I was just saying a little while ago, the band has gone to such cult underground like status over the last couple of years. Like more and more people are talking about the band. I was like, where were these people back in 1984 when the band probably could have used you? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's kind of blows my mind in a way because it's been so long since that that EP came out. Um, that I, and I I kind of noticed what you mean that there's been kind of a resurgence in interest in it um and yeah it's just been so long it just kind of blows my mind yeah did you i mean I mean, up until like the resurgence in heavy metal over the last 10 years did you kind of think it you know the band and the album was kind of like long gone and forgotten no no i i know it's not because i see people on facebook all the time um, message me from around the world. It was a truly international release, and the, the people, um, I still get a ton of comments on it, and people, you know, asking about the album, and so, it, 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 yeah, it's it's still pretty much alive after 30-some years. Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, just that one set of music can, you know, carry on as long as it has. It's, it's just incredible when you think about it. It is. <laughs> Like yeah. I said, it just it it boggles the mind sometimes. Yeah. Well, let's kind of go back to the beginning because you know a lot of people don't. There's really not a lot of information about the band out there anywhere. Uh, I, I think we got one of your bandmates calling in. Let's connect them and we'll get everybody in the line together. Absolutely. Okay. Is this Alan or John? Who are we waiting on? This Alan. Alan, how are you, Mike? And Rob is already on the line. Sweet. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to have you on here today. Uh, I'm just going to throw the questions out there, and whoever wants to answer, because I can't see you, and I can't direct it towards each person individually, just feel like, you know, just jump in and, and give an answer. What I was saying was that there's not a lot of information about the band out there, 
And, you know, people don't even know how it all came about, where it got started, where it was going back in the day. So who wants to tell a story about how the band kind of formed and came together? Well, uh, I was just listening to Ozzy's Boneyard on satellite radio. And they were playing Iron Maiden, Hallowed Be Thy Name. And that was the first time that I saw Robert and LJ and Jeff. I was at this battle of the bands in another band, and they end up playing that song. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, these guys got some huge balls to play this song, and they did it well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, was, that, that took me back, man. It was like, wow, that's where it all began seeing these guys pulling off this, this Maiden song and going, holy shit, these guys did it. So was that the beginning of how most of you guys met? Was from two different bands at the time? Rob, who was playing with you? Yeah. Anybody from Dark Age playing with you at that time? Well, so No, I, me was, I was in a totally different band. Me and uh, LJ and Jeff, the drummer, were in a different band together before Dark Age, Mornblade, and that band, I, I left that band, and somebody told me that James was interested in the bass player, James McGarity, who was actually also the bass player from Christian Death. Um, he was interested in hooking up, so I went up and uh, met up at his house, and Alan was there, and there was another drummer and another guitar player, and we kind of played a few songs, messed around a little bit. And after that, I told Alan, I was like, I mean, uh, James, I was like, Alan is freaking awesome. Um, we got to get rid of this, this drummer. We got to get rid of this other guitar player. And we need Jeff and uh, LJ from Mornblade, and we will have a tight outfit. And that's kind of how that, that's kind of how that gelled. Yeah. Yeah. From the very beginning, was it, I mean, were you intent on making this just something fun to have a good time with and get out and play? Or were you looking to, you know, really make this a serious outfit and, and try to take it, you know, as far as you can go? Alan? Um, a little of both, actually, I think. You know, it, it was just, it was all about trying to get the best players as possible and, and put something together and just go out and, and melt faces. <laughs> I get that. Actually, once once we had something on vinyl, I knew that. I mean, you could feel, you could just feel the. Uh, there was a certain a bit of magic that I kind of felt playing with these guys. It was intense, and we when we played live, you could just tell from the reactions from the audience, and and especially once we got something on vinyl, I knew that we had to push it. And we didn't get much backing from Green World. Green World Records was kind of breaking up at that time. So we, I just, I knew that we had to push it. Um, and I wish we would have had a little bit more backing, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Green World was a label out of California, if I remember back in the day. And they had Legend Grey on that. I think they were the only other band that was part of that label. Uh, was that the first like contact you have with a label trying to shop around? Were, were they the only ones that made an offer, or did you kind of have other labels to choose from at the time? 
Well, that was, that um, was basically a, that was a connection that Jimmy had. Um, it was uh, basically through Steve Sinclair, who later okay. went on to work with Megadeth on uh, their uh, Peace Sells record. And I remember remember working with him. It was it was he was a good guy, man. He he knew what he was doing. He knew what he wanted, and and yeah. But that was that was connections that Jimmy had made through Christian Death, basically. Okay. So we did have a meeting at one point in a Beverly Hills hotel room with Hack Wessels. I think that was his name. It was Mr. Wessels from Roadrunner, um, and Brian Slagle was there. And Mr. Wessels asked for a demo. We actually did go in and record a second EP's worth of material and submitted it to Roadrunner, but something got lost in the shuffle, and I would love to have a copy of that tape. I don't know whatever happened to the tape, but we did do a second EP's worth of material. No, it just didn't gel. This was after the first album was already released? Yes. Wow, and nobody has any copies of that music. That would be amazing that, that, to be able to hear that and get that out there again. I, yeah, I, I, have some, I have some rough cassette copies of that. Hmm. I think James, the bass player, may have the master tapes, but he's kind of gone underground, and I, I, I don't know what's going yeah, nobody, on with him. Yeah, nobody, nobody's been in touch with Jimmy these days. Nobody knows where he is or what he's up to, so... Well, I'm going to put on my detective hat after the show and track him down. Uh, we have to get that music out there. More, I'm going to go more Sherlock Holmes. Too, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try too. to find them. I mean, you know, because cause like this record came out and I remember getting it. I love that album. And, you know, you never heard anything from the band again after that. And, and this was in the days, you know, before the internet, before magazines were kind of common and writing about bands. I mean, how long did the band continue after the release of that first album? What was the question, Mike? How long did the band continue after you did release that first record? Did it kind of end not long after that? Because I don't remember hearing anything after that record. Well, it was, it was about another year, I think. Oh, okay. Before things, before things, you know, basically splintered and everybody went their separate ways. And yeah, it was. We we kept it going for a while, but I mean, the the scene at the time was, uh, you know, the whole pay to play thing and. I can I can remember you know fronting like like three or four hundred bucks of my own money just to play a gig at the country club. Wow! Through the whole pay to play <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way it worked then. You know, it was like, oh, you you want to make it? Yeah, you got to pay us to play. You know. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. You you had to guarantee a certain amount of ticket sales, and they generally wanted a certain amount up front, and. I, I always thought you know, we 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 were better live than what we every, what you hear on vinyl. We reproduced that live every. That's exactly how we sounded live. Wow! It was, it yeah, was, it was much, awesome. Yeah. I love playing live. Was was that was LA a tough scene back then? Was Los Angeles anywhere in California a tough scene for like a, a true metal band? I mean, you had the hair metal oh, scene no, happening. Yeah. You had thrash metal going on up north. Was it difficult, like, you know, for a band to get a hold and get a grip on a crowd or an audience? Yeah, because, I mean, you got so many people all competing for the same stages. Yeah. And so the, the club owners took advantage of that. Yeah. Because they, well, they wanted to make sure that they were making money. Of course. Yeah. The, yeah. 
there was a lot of competition at the time we came out. There was, I mean, just a ton of bands from Southern California that were, that are now very well known that were up and coming. And yeah, there was just a lot of competition and a lot of bands that I thought were really going to do well kind of fell by the wayside. I haven't heard from them since, but um, it, it was, it was an interesting scene in Southern California in the early to mid eighties. They're just very powerful metal scene. Yeah, I can imagine. So, I mean, when, when the band did break up, I mean, was it more due to like, you know, the business part of it than, and the financial part of it than like just the members just not getting along and wanting to play anymore? Um, I think it was primarily just everybody um, generally becoming disillusioned with the fact that we were working so hard at this and, and it didn't seem like there was really any return on it, you know? And there were there were a few personality conflicts and stuff involved in the mix too, but yeah, it was primarily just you know I tried so hard at this, and it's like we're we're getting nowhere, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what it was for me mostly. Just we we had no backing, and we the band themselves were pretty much paying for paying and doing all the promotion, and it, like Alan said, there just wasn't much return. And I think everybody just got disillusioned and, you know, what are we working so damn hard for? Um, and now, had I known in retrospect what the album could have been and what the fan following was going to be, um, I still, we still have, we have fans all over the world. And the the, the reaction to that album was amazing. And I, I wish to God we would have pursued it more. Um, not so much for money's sake, just for, it, I don't know, it just felt good going out there and, like Alan said, just melting people's faces, just blowing them away. It felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I could imagine. I mean, was it a difficult, when it, when it does come time to sit down and say, you know, we're going to dissolve the band, is it a difficult decision to make? Because, you know, like I said, you guys did have the look, the sound, the style, the music was there, the talent was there. Was it difficult putting it to bed and letting it go, or was it kind of a relief at that point where you say, you know what, I'm kind of, I feel good that I'm, I'm relieved of all the stress and headaches that we're going through. Well, it was, mm. it was something that just, it was something that just kind of happened, you know. It just, it just kind of fell apart, and everybody went their separate ways, and you know, I've, I've, I've been in a, a couple of bands since then, and we were doing like kind of the cover thing and some originals and. You know, put out another record, and but it's just kind of you know it's it when things are rolling and you're doing good, it's all good. And then after a while, it's like when things kind of slow down, and you're just like, oh, okay, I'm done with this. Whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go ride my motorcycle. And, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy. That's kind of how I remember know? it too. It just it just kind of fell apart. There, there wasn't really a formal decision to, you know, let's disband. It just kind of fell apart. Yeah. I mean, now all these years later, I mean, is there any talk of maybe, you know, because, you know, three of the key members of the group were talking to each other. I know the bass player is MIA. I do believe your drummer passed away some time back. Uh, is there any talk of maybe, you know, putting it back together for fun, just reuniting to do more off <laughs> shows, some of the festivals? Is, is that on the table? You know what, Mike? I knew you were going to ask that. I, I, I just knew. I knew you were going to ask that. I, I. So there's a lot of distance right now. I mean, I, I'm 
in a different state than those two guys, and I, um, yeah, I I'm, still I'm, think I'm not, a, I, I'm, you know. I'm not opposed to that. You know, I think that would be great, but the logistics is something that would need to be worked out. And you know, I've I've It'd got a bunch to of stuff. Together. I've got a bunch of stuff going on in in my life now too, so it's a scheduling issue and and all that. So, but yeah, I'm yeah, not opposed yeah. to that at all. But. I, I, it I know would it's be hard to put together. Yeah, it would be great because I'm telling you, there are so many European festivals that would be clamoring at the bit to get you guys to get back together, especially the three of you, and, and go over there and perform live. I mean, I keep it true, and, and, and a lot of these other ones would die to have you guys on the bill. Wow. That's, yeah, that feels good uh, to hear you say that. Yeah. It would, be, uh, it, would be, it, would be, it would be difficult to replace Jeff. Um. I know somebody that could pull it off, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, never say never. That's one thing I learned. You never know. It could happen one day. But, you know, talking about the album, what about getting the album re-released? I mean, there's so many labels that would love to put this back out again, you know, and give it a nice remastering and, and repackage it and put it out again for the fans to, to get a hold of. Actually, that's um, next month. Uh, this well, it was re-released in 2012 on Celtic Records out of Chile, and No Remorse out of Greece is re-releasing it in September. Ah, that's beautiful. I, you know, it is the Greeks re-release every record that ever comes out. So you got to go with the Greeks. They're doing something over there. They love putting out these albums. They do a great job. And No Remorse is a killer label, and they do beautiful work on their packaging. So it's going to be a nice package. Is it just going to be the album the way it was released, or is there anything extra on it, any bonus tracks? No, there was um, – on the uh, the Celtic release, uh, you know, I got kind of excited because they said they had some um, live tracks. And to me and Alan, it sounded like – Somebody had just taken the studio tracks and added some applause over it, oh. and, and and it just sounded horrible. So we kind of decided we weren't going to use that and just stuck with the original studio tracks. Yeah, it's, it's basically the, the U.S. album tracks plus the import tracks. Oh, okay, okay. That's going to be great. Yeah, there was, is the there album was... being remastered? I mean, is it being remastered in any way, or is it just going to come out as it was? Well, no, they, actually, they, they did some work to Bart it. Gabriel, um, Bart Gabriel did remaster. He just went in the studio and remastered it from vinyl and was very picky about the remastering. So he said it's going to sound much better than the Celtic release. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, they they cleaned it up pretty good. They they went a little overboard on the compression, I thought, but that's the trend these days, so I'm not surprised by that. But uh, I think this next good. release, this next release is going to sound much better than the Celtic release. That's going to be great, and I'm telling you, I will track. I mean, I guess, I guess if the Greeks couldn't track down. You know, uh, your bass player, I might have a hard time, but I'm going to try to find them so we get that music out there. I mean, is there anything else bouncing around anywhere that you guys are a hold of as far as music that people haven't heard yet? Or is it just that second album that was recorded? Not that that I know. We we went back to the same studio where we recorded the original record, and we did, what, four more songs, I think? I thought it was three or four four songs that we did. 
Okay. I, I thought it was a full EP. Um, and we sent it on yeah, to Roadrunner. I, yeah, I, I have a very, very old, degraded cassette copy of those tracks. Wow. Okay. Hmm. I, I know, like you said, when you sent it out to Roadrunner and, and Brian Slag was there, I mean, did it, it just kind of ended like after that. There was no back and forth over, you know, we're going to put it out, we want to release it, maybe, you know, sign the band. It just kind of died on the vine like that? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, we, well, we, we yeah. had already, the, the import was already released on Roadrunner, so we were already kind of under their wing to an extent. We just never heard anything back on that, the, the demo that we sent them. I think it just got lost in the shuffle. There was so much going on then with Roadrunner. Um, yeah, because that, that was yeah that was that was the beginnings of the the new wave of British heavy metal and you know it was there was a lot going on back in those days. <laughs> That's true. And I guess all around the same time is probably when the band was starting to realize that it was coming to an end. Also, I'm guessing, right? It was. Yeah, things were starting to fall apart a bit. And... So there yeah. probably wasn't a lot of follow-up anyway with it. Yep. Not really. This, and is, it, life. You know, it, it, this is life. <laughs> there was really no real con- personal conflicts in the band. I, like I said, I think just every – if there would have been um, a little bit more promotion and we would have gotten signed to a major label, I think we very easily could have made the interpersonal relationships work. Because the, the music yeah. was there. I mean, it was, it was there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, there's True. there's there's been there's been many a band that the actual the tension between the members is actually what makes the band. <laughs> That's it's true. Kind of like a case in point. <laughs> it's like a marriage. It's 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 a hard thing to, you know, you a lot of people, a lot of interpersonal play. You got to make work. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Was there ever any talk? I mean, after the band broke up, about trying to put it back together early on, and after the original breakup, or sometime over, you know, the next decade, or was it when it ended? It just ended, and that was it. There was no looking back. Yeah, it was pretty much that was it, that was it. You know. It was, yeah. yeah. It was it. There was there wasn't yeah there was nothing after that. It was just done. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. Well, I, yeah, I'm glad fact, that at least fact, the album is still out there for people to hear, guys. You know, I'm happy that you know a whole new young audience is hearing it, and now with the release on No Remorse, you know, you're going to get a whole new fan base. So hopefully, that could uh, reignite things. Can I ask you a question, Mike? Absolutely. So, when did you start this, the heavy metal mayhem, and how, when? When? How long have you been doing this? This show, nine years uh, next month. In a couple of weeks, we've been doing this show for nine years. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you for so much attention to the 80s underground scene. It's it's definitely resurging, and it's there's so much good metal from the 80s. I mean, just so much of it, and we're, we are very proud to be part of that. Uh, and I'm glad that you guys put out this record. I can't wait for the re-release. I knew about it, but I had to ask you anyway. You know, make it look like I don't know. <laughs> I knew that was coming out. But, uh, you know, just like this whole question out there. But I, I can't thank you guys enough for being on here today with us. I want to get on a couple of tunes from the record. 
And, you know, we're going to promote the hell out of the re-release. And hopefully that'll get you guys, you know, get the juices flowing again and maybe get you guys to reunite for like a one-off show here and there. I would actually fly out to go see that. Wow, that would be interesting. <laughs> you know, it I'm, really would. I'm, I'm still playing, not as much as I used to, but I, I still play. And I cranking up the amplifier yesterday, and holy shit, the girlfriend was giving me the, the shock face. <laughs> yeah. I sing every day, every day. There you go. It's what keeps us young. You got to keep doing it. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Listen, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You just have a great night wherever you are, and I'm going to get on some tunes right now. How does that sound? Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you, Mike. Alan, Rob, have a great night, guys. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. All right, let's jump right into Viper.
you go, more Dark Age, Tales of Medusa. What great guitar playing, Robert. What a voice that guy had, huh? Killer band. So, no remorse. The record's being re-released next month. Mark Gabriel is uh, producing and mastering it. Pick it up. He does a great job. Matter of fact, he's worked on the new Jack Star record, and Jack Star and Ned Maloney from Burning Star will be on the show next week. We'll be talking to them about that record. And who else do we have on the show next week? I know we have somebody else. I just can't remember who, but I'll get to that this week. <laughs> All right. What do we have? Oh, uh, Jim Crean. He's a singer from Apathy or A Piece. I really don't know what to call him, the band. Uh, Carmine and uh, Vinny have this new project going on right now, and Jim is a singer for that band. He's also performed with a lot of other artists over the years. We'll be talking to him also. All right. Well, my good friend Manos over at Cult Metal and Sonic Age, he's been working a really long time to get the Majestic Right demo album slash out. He finally was able to do it. He got the permission from all the guys in the band. He did a great job of putting this together. And we will have the band on the show at the end of September. I do believe it's the last Sunday of the month. But let's get a cut off that record right now. Here's Eternal Paradise.
There you go. So, Man of War with the Gates of Valhalla. Ever since we had Ross the Boss on the show a few weeks back, I've been like on this massive Man of War kick. Mostly the first three records. Uh, the ones after that were okay, but, you know, those first three are golden. And years back on, on the Metal Matinee, when we used to do the theme shows here on, on a Wednesday, actually it was a Thursday towards the end, uh, I did a show called Trilogy, or I think it was called Trilogy, something like that, uh, where, you know, I, I put down, like, bands that had, like, those the three classic killer records, and then everything after that was kind of like shit. I mean, it was just my opinion on, on who I thought had three great records and bands that didn't have great records after that. Uh, but Manowar was definitely one of them. Those first three records, you know, the first one, Battle Hymns, the second one, and then the third one, three killer records. I don't know if it was just me because I got a little tired of the whole, you know, uh, Barbarian and uh, the whole the whole Manowar theme, you know. <laughs> after those three records were killer records. I know they were on that show. I had Metallica on there because to me, you know, after Master Puppets, that band kind of fell apart. Um, I don't remember who the other bands on the show were. Uh, there weren't too many, uh, but we kind of filled up the show with them. But those first three Man of War, absolutely killer, killer records. Mike, All Man Plan 10. That was a good album, too, that that song came off of, you know. But to me, I, I kind of got tired of them after that. But like I said, solid stuff. And Ross Boss is out there right now doing his Man of War show. He just did a couple of shows here in New York at Blackthorn 51 in Queens and at Dingbats in New Jersey. Uh, hopefully he'll get back to more original uh, material because the two Ross the Boss records he put out were really solid albums. That was with his band. I don't remember all the guys that were in the band, but they were another band over uh, somewhere in Europe, and he kind of played guitar with them. And, you know, they became like the Ross the Boss band. But now he's got, you know, uh, Michael LaPond on bass. I believe Rhino was on drums, but now Ross's uh, nephew is playing drums. I don't know if it's just a temporary thing because Rhino wasn't available for these shows or if he's out of the band uh, completely. Uh, the singer they got now sounds great. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, we're going to wrap it up here in about 15 minutes or so. we got a few more tunes to get on between now and then. Not much really going on in the metal news this week. Uh, I know John in the chat was talking about how great the new Venom Inc. record is, and it is a solid album. Like I said earlier on in the, in the month, you know, it's a great mixture of the classic Venom sound that you get from, you know, Mantis and Avedon on, on guitar and drums. And, you know, Tony's voice is very distinctive, especially from that prime evil era. And they kind of bring a little bit of that back into the sound of this album. So if you're a fan of, you know, the original Venom and, the, you know, the second version of Venom or Venom Mark II, whatever you want to call it, there were quite a different, few different versions of Venom with either Kronos being out of the band or Mantis being out of the band or Avedon being out of the band and some of them being back in the band over the last couple of decades. The new Venom Inc., great record out on Nuclear Blast right now. Pick it up. I believe the band is going to be at the Gramercy Theater next Saturday. Yeah, next Saturday is the second. They're going to be at the Gramercy Theater. So I might be going to that show. I'll let you know. It would be pretty cool to see those guys live again. I haven't caught them. I really haven't caught them at all as Venom Inc. Uh, the last time they were here, it was sort of as uh, they were doing Primeval, which turned into Empire of Evil. And it was just uh, Mantis and uh, a Tony with a different drummer back then. Uh, you know, Avedon is there, and I think, you know, Empire of Evil is kind of long gone and forgotten. But they did a lot of Venom songs that night, and it sounded great up on stage. So I'll probably stop by and check them out this week. And uh, if you're there, I'll run into you. It'll be pretty cool to hang out. All right, how about we jump into... Let me see what I got for everybody right now. I don't really have nothing new to get on this week, uh, so maybe we'll stick with some of the classics for now. How about we do some Realm with Eminence?
Okay, a little suicidal tendencies over there with War Inside My Head. You know, SOD, the band that was formed, like, you know, when, when uh, Neil Turbin left Anthrax, the band was kind of on, on the outs. I mean, you know, they were looking for another singer. Matt Fallon came in for a very, very short period of time. That didn't work out. That was before, you know, Carl Kennedy kind of helped the band find and hook up with Joey Belladonna. But in between that time, Charlie and Scott hooked up with uh, the old bass player, and Billy Milano on vocals. They had SOD, the Stone Troopers of Death. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I thought they were a great band when they first came out and started playing live. Even the first record, even though Billy Milano was a loudmouth and a jerk-off, you know, they were still a really good band live. And they used to do a killer cover of War Inside My Head. I, I used to love that version of it. All right, we're going to wrap it up here tonight. I want to thank our guest, Christian Havard from Zentrex. And Rob and Alan from Dark Age. LJ never called in, but that's okay. We had two out of the three, and that's good enough for me. Let's wrap it up here with Tanker tonight. Next month, the first Sunday of September, we kick off our whole month of our nine-year anniversary. And we got a great one with Ned Maloney and Jack Starr from Burning Star calling in next week. And Jim Crean from Apathy. So here you go. Here's some Tanker with Chemical Invasion. I will see you guys next week. Take care, everybody.
Neil Turbin from Death Riders, and you're listening to Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio with Mike the Big Cheese. Don't forget to be fierce and stay thrashing and stay metal thrashing. Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. 